attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. All right, Entree Architect community, welcome to the backstage area of Context and Clarity. Every Thursday afternoon on Context and Clarity Live, Catherine McPhail and I and our live audience talk with a special guest to search for clarity around the things that matter most to you, the architect, no matter what your context is. You may be the employee of a firm dreaming of doing your own thing, or maybe you've had a firm for a year or 10 years or 20 years, and you're starting to rethink or reimagine what that firm could or maybe even should be. Every week we cover topics that fall under the broad umbrella of the business of architecture, and they're all the need-to-know topics for the success of architects just like you. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff Eccles, and what you're about to listen to is the audio recording of a conversation that my co-host Catherine McPhail and I had with a special guest. Or will it be guests from the Context and Clarity community? All of this to break down last week's Context and Clarity live conversation. So thanks for joining us as we all share our biggest takeaways and look for ways to apply what we heard in the Context and Clarity live conversation to our own businesses. Let's get into it. This episode of the Context and Clarity podcast is supported by Infratech. Bring indoor comfort to outdoor living with Infratech comfort heaters. Welcome to the backstage area of the Context and Clarity Studios. This week on Context and Clarity Live, Catherine McPhail and I talked to Diana Nicholas. She's a co-founder, president, and CEO of SOM Architecture, a hybrid firm based in Boston, Massachusetts, and with employees around the world. But we wanted to know what our audience thought about the conversation with Diana. So we've invited Isra Banks and Mandy Freeland to join us backstage. Isra is an architect, founder of Trivec Architecture and Educator at the Boston Architectural College. 
Mandy is the principal architect and CEO at aptly named Mandy Freeland Architect Incorporated in Bakersfield, California. So Isra and Mandy, welcome backstage. What did you think about that conversation with Diana today about the intersection between equitable practice and hybrid workplaces? Oh, first, thanks for having us here. It's awesome, always. Glad to have you here. And I think it was an awesome uh, conversation. Uh, I think the first time I heard about SOM was from Diana Nicholas speaking on the BSA uh, and a night, sometime like this time, fall 20. Three years ago so that probably was 2018 three years ago and um it was amazing and i hear about it from my students too everyone wants to work in, in their office it's very popular but when we talk when we touch on this uh, subject about equity and office culture uh, the, the the name of their office comes um comes all the time uh, and I, would, I remember I was sitting in the back and hearing a lot of people saying, uh, well, we thought we have flexible offices because we let, because you know, the, the traffic in Boston is very difficult to, to be on time there. So they have flexible, um, arrival and departure time. So like the first two hours are flexible. People can come at eight, seven, six, and they leave once they're done with their work. But this is this is drastic, and it, the, the reactions were crazy. And of course, that was before. And she was confident, just like she was today. And uh, I think one of one of the questions then were asked that I remember: How do you how do you guarantee that your employees are not? Well, I think that came up to are not doing the work, and how do you trust them? How would you fire them? She said, "I never had to fire anyone." Uh, they're all loyal and um, they're all hardworking and they're all, we trust each other. And, and I think that came up again there. I think it's, it's pretty similar to that three years ago conversation. There's trust, there's communication. And uh, I am a strong believer when, uh, of when you, when you appreciate your staff, they're, they're definitely going to appreciate the work. When you, same thing with with everything, probably your children, your students, or it, that, like that religion, the more you give, the more you get. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a good way to put it. The whole thing about trust, I mean, I think that's so obvious. A lot of the people do have questions about how do you know people are really doing their work. You have to trust it. I mean, I guess it would be the same thing in an office. She did say that made sense. And I, what I told her after we got off was that if there had been that kind of an office when I was young, mm-hmm. then I would have I wouldn't have had to start my own firm. Some flexibility, but the idea of working that many hours or sixty hours, seventy hours a week with little kids was not didn't feel like an option. Yeah. Catherine, you you took the words right out of my mouth. I was thinking same, same thing. Um starting out my when my kids were little um, it was sort of the recession it sort of was busy, busy work, um, you know, 50 plus hours a week. And then the recession hit. And then, and then I was home for a few years with the kids until I got hired again. I think it took like three years to get hired again and people weren't hiring moms. And it was really that, uh, 
it was literally that they weren't hiring moms with little kids. Um, like literally when I say that it was yeah. said to my face. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I went through yeah. the same thing. Um, which is unfair. And, and, um, as she was talking, I was like, wow, this really opens the door for women in such, such an amazing way that, um, women can get the work done and women can move their career ahead. Women can get the hours in that they are required to get in to get their license to do AXP. Um, I think it's also great for people like doing the ARES, doing the exams, um, having, you know, a study day a week or something, or like, like working the schedule around, I mean, working full-time and trying to get the license is hard enough, but if you can work, get the job done and, and find time to study, that's, that's amazing. I, I can't, I mean, what she talked about was just like the solution that we've kind of been waiting for in the profession. And I'm happy to see that she started it seven years ago. <laughs> it's not new to her. It's, it's tried and it's gone through, um, you know, seven years of, of working through the bumps and, um, probably, you know, changing the HR policies and, and working through, you know, hiring. And I mean, it's great that she said she hasn't had to let anyone go or fire somebody. Um, you know, another thing that you said, Ezra and Catherine, you touched on was trust. Um, I've had conversations with a lot of firm owners, sort of older, maybe more traditional, traditionally minded, but they're adamant that they can't trust the workers to work from home to um, be responsible for their for their own work and staying on task and staying on schedule that the trust like they they can't and maybe it's just a personal thing for them that they can't get past um let just just allowing people to work on their own and i've been in that situation when i was working for a firm um just asking you know like if my child was sick that day asking if i could take the laptop home and get the work done so i could keep the project on schedule and the answer was no. And I'm like, well, I'm not sick. I can do the work. You know, if I just take the laptop home, all the files are on it. I don't need to, you know, plug in to, in, to the server or anything like that. I just need to get the work done. And the answer was no. And I was really disappointed that I wasn't trusted enough to get work done on my own. So no, I wonder I'm, what I'm happy to see that. Right. What do they think is going to happen if you work at home? I mean, if you get the work done, who cares what happens when you're at home, I guess, actually. so I was already licensed and everything. Like, this wasn't even that long ago. This is, yeah. It, yeah. yeah. It surprises I, I, me. I, I doubt that they're not wanting you to do that had anything to do with what they thought would happen or being licensed. I think it's, you know, I, I the, the trust thing is an elephant in the room in the for the profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's a lots there's lots of elephants in the room right there's 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 the trust piece there's the culture of of just ridiculous hours etc but I, I think the the trust piece we we've got a lot of leaders out there that need to need to read a Simon Sinek book lead to need to listen to Brene Brown or somebody right because that trust issue is not about your employees. 
It is, mm. it is not about your employees. It is about you. It is in you. Um, so, you know, and, and that's in the conversation with, with Diana. I mean, I think it, it's obvious. Maybe it's not obvious, but yeah, it's, it has to take a lot of trust to have unlimited in some of the policies that they have. Um, as, as the three of you were talking, I obviously don't have the experience of, of being a mother. Um, and when we were young, my wife and I were career people. So we, you know, when we were young, we didn't have young kids, but it, you were talking about AXP hours, Mandy. And it reminded me after I left the firm that I worked for in Chicago and moved here to Indianapolis to take a different position, I was, you know, kind of going through my IDP hours and I had been, I had been there, I think almost exactly two years or so. And I started totaling everything up. And in the over the course of that two years, okay, it was a bad economy. So we had re- reduced uh, work hours, hours because of that to theoretically avoid laying people off. I took a full two weeks off to get married and, and have a honeymoon. Um, I forget what else happened during that time. And I started adding up all my hours. And even with all of that, over the course of that, two years I averaged over 60 hours a week so you take all that out and then put it back in and I averaged over 60 hours a week and and I look at that and we didn't have kids right so there's there's nothing in in that realm that suffered again we were career people there's nothing like relationship wise that suffered my health definitely suffered I weighed 240 pounds um yeah, I mean, you're working like 18 hours a day and eating, you know, at the Greasy Spoon around the corner in, in the, you know, downtown Chicago or something like that. Yeah. Um, but you are a pretty tall guy, I'm just saying. I, I am tall. You can, there are some advantages to being tall, but but that's not good for any. And so, first of all, you know, applause and appreciate what Diana, her partners and, and others have have figured out. And I... I asked that question earlier about you know the firms that said they couldn't do it in, in mid-March or whatever, and of course within a week had to do it. Um, I, I I hope that people are taking notes because the the culture you know in the in the profession again the elephants in the room, we we all see it we every single one of us knows it every single one of us has experienced it on some level it's kind of crazy to me that it takes a global pandemic for the vast majority of the profession to actually want to do anything about it. And still we'll have people that don't want to, and will resist and won't do anything about it, which is, again, it's just crazy. I'm not going to get too high up on a soapbox, but, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, like you said, Mandy, I'm glad they've been working out for seven years. They've learned a lot of, that's great. Maybe I'll go apply to work there. Well, you know, when she said, and of course, you know, Catherine, like like I uh, did, we, we've listened to Diana on Entree Architect uh, podcast. We, you know, we listen to interviews as we prepare for these conversations. And uh, I was actually listening to one of those episodes today when I was driving back from Cincinnati. And Diana was talking about the employee that goes to Abu Dhabi for for stretches of time and the the employee that works in Spain and now today she mentioned 
the the employee in, in North Dakota. And it, I actually laughed out loud because I know people that have said, well, we've, we have, I'm in Indianapolis for those that are listening and don't know that. Um, I have talked to people in Indianapolis that say, well, you know, we're kind of concerned about this person we're, we're struggling to hire people and we found someone that lives in say louisville kentucky which is two hours away or, or everything in indianapolis um <laughs> cincinnati's two hours away yep cincinnati's two hours away um you know they're they're thinking about an employee that's a couple of hours away and diana's talking about employees that are in abu dhabi and and madrid and mm-hmm. north dakota and i i, I literally laughed out loud Somebody has to listen to this. Yeah, you know, the perspective is so, so out of whack. Well, yeah. my takeaway uh, was um, she has established very clear, and probably her partner. She has her partner. Very clear communication and expectations from the employee. And if you hear her um, talking, you see that um, they have they have listed rules and they want these rules to apply to everyone and then that each one they 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 customize uh the the rules by case by studying the case and what the employees wants and needs but what's available for for each employee is available for everyone and i think that that's a that's a very important key so uh they're not the people are they know what they're expected to do and then also she um she emphasized the importance of having good technology and servers and i think that's also second um a second thing um i was going to say that around probably the time that sam was established uh i was a student at the bhc getting ready to graduate and uh, we had a pro-practice guest who is a CEO of one of the giant companies in Boston and like a 100, 200 years old firm. And I asked her if they're open to flexible uh, hours or flexible work because at the same time I I was taking an was taking MBA courses and there were lots of studies about the future of the workplace. And that's probably in um, 2014, something like that. Um, and um, it was an experiment about Google who let their employees go flexible and they gave them like a week for a deadline. And then uh, the first couple of days, they did not do any work. But once the deadline approached, everyone was sitting either in the, uh, in the, in a nearby coffee shop or the, the, or their office or the, uh, they had, they could have worked from home, but they, they chose to come nearby the office to meet with other people. So I, I wanted to share that with that CEO. I'm not going to mention which firm she, she's stepping down right now. Uh, and she, no lie. I was just a student asking a question. She said, unless you are um, you're producing renders in China or India, free like a company or freelancing, then no way. And ask your professor how she's dealing with she, my professor was uh, probably in her 40s. 
and but had a baby how she's dealing with a motherhood i'm not gonna ask any more questions <laughs> i'm not gonna ask any more questions wouldn't it be fun to ask that same oh that question you know to me that's the best thing about the pandemic i mean there's not that many great things about the pandemic but that it opened up people's minds to other ways of doing things. And so there were so many great things that happened over Zoom or other types of situations like this, like kids, kids, high school students put on plays. I mean, we can do anything remotely almost. I mean, not anything, but I mean, obviously it's like a totally different landscape now than it was even three years ago, which, which is great. Yeah. yeah. And I share the same experience with Mandy. Uh, I, I think one of, one of the times I was interviewing for for a job and there were two people interviewing me and the HR and uh, the the more senior person talked to Bruce calling and she said she has a four year old and probably she's going to get pregnant again and and I I was like I did not indicate that I'm going to have more kids you don't know anything about my family life and what's wrong and and he said. Who recommended this person? Just just like that in front of me because because I'm a mom and I'm in a, uh, a child bearing age. <laughs> yeah, I know it's so unfair. That's totally the way it is. I mean, I, when I was pregnant, when I got out of graduate school, there's no way, no way I was going to get a job. No way. Every passing day became less likely that I was going to get a job because who's going to hire someone who's five months pregnant or seven months pregnant? Like, I, was, I did not even have children. And just for the record, for whoever listening, I just I had that daughter. <laughs> yeah, it's so, not it's not fair, but it's not fair. I attended um, an AIA event that um, had a lot of firm owners of uh, the older generation there. And we had, we, you know, we had lunch all together. It was a, it was a, I don't know, there were probably a hundred people there, um, but tables of 10. And so I sat with, um, with a friend of mine who was also a firm owner, but a table full of men. And um, they just kind of spoke openly <laughs> about not hiring women in childbearing age. And as if I wasn't there and in right in front of me, but they, candidly were were openly talking about how they they wouldn't and they don't hire women of childbearing age because because from their mouth they said they will quit they will have children and quit and so their perspective was they don't want to invest in the employee um put the time in and have them quit. And I just couldn't believe, I couldn't believe they said it in front of me. I couldn't believe I'm, I couldn't, I don't know. I just was shocked that they, that they were speaking their truth and their, and they come from experience and maybe they have been through that in their experience, hiring women and having them quit and not come back. Um, losing employees, maybe that's what, what they're speaking from. And it's disappointing that they lump all women into that category. Hmm. Yeah, well, if they'd been a little more flexible with how people could work or flexible hours, maybe they wouldn't lose women who have children wouldn't have to quit. In the last few years, premium outdoor spaces have become a must-have architectural feature. And Infratech Outdoor Electric Heating Systems have become the brand of choice among leading architects. 
Infratech heaters provide energy-efficient ambient warmth that allows homeowners to live outdoors during the cooler months. Clients love them because they can enjoy up to 100 more nights a year outside. Architects love them because of their unparalleled versatility. From heater capacities and colors to mounting options that can either seamlessly disappear or accentuate a space with beautiful decorative coverings. They're also the only comfort heat company to offer smart home integration and hands-free voice-activated control. For over 60 years, Infratech has made their products in the United States at competitive prices. They offer incredible design and live technical support at every stage of the job. Infratech is specified at the world's most prestigious properties. Learn why and sign up for a free consultation at infratech-usa.com forward slash podcast. You know, where I live in Indianapolis, fall is a beautiful time of year. Right now, the leaves are orange and yellow, and there's a wonderful Christmas in the air. But let's be honest, as beautiful as it is, sitting on the porch and shivering as I watch the neighborhood go by starts to lose its appeal. I guess it's time to consider an Infratech heating system so that I can sit outside at least until all of the leaves have fallen. I think that's the that's the thing. I think it's ironic that they talked about investing in employees because obviously if your employee feels compelled to quit after they've had a child, you were not investing in that employee to begin right. with. You weren't, you weren't investing. And, th- and I think that's one of the important conversations about, you know, we, we kind of had two parts there. Of course, they're, they're connected, they're interwoven, the equitable practice and the, the hybrid workplace. But, um, and like Diana said, yes, yes, we could talk about women. Uh, we could talk about moms. That makes sense. It's easy to see and, and to understand, but it could also be dads and it could also be people that, you know, like she said, or care for parents and it's equitable. It gives a, 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 uh, a level playing field to everybody. And I, I think that's, well, maybe there already is a level playing field for everybody. It's just so far, so low that very few people can actually survive there. I mean, if we look around, and, and she said this too, Diana said this too in, in the conversation, that the profession loses a lot of people. Mm. What does that say? You know, it's it's not because it's not worthy work. It's not because it's not fulfilling work. And, and sure, it's wrought with issues in terms of, you know, anytime you're quote unquote serving people and, and dealing with people in public. I mean, ask somebody in retail, you know, dealing with human beings, human beings are human beings, but maybe, maybe, maybe there already is an equitable practice, but maybe the level playing field is so incredibly low that the profession uh, just cannot sustain itself. Hadn't thought about that until now. And that's really depressing to think about it that way. But, but you know, this idea, and there was somebody in this, in the room today where I spoke mentioned trying to find people that are interested in being the future leaders of the firm. I hear this a lot. 
a lot, you know, and sometimes I speak on employer brand. So that's, that's the perfect segue to that today was not, it was, it was, um, talking about being trusted advisor, but, but, uh, yeah, take a step back and think about that. You can't find any that wants to lead your firm. Why is that? Why, why do you think that is, I mean, is it really that big a mystery when, um, you know, Diana is involved a lot with equity by design. Some people know that that equity by design is an evolution of what started out as the missing 32%. The 32% was the number of women that got into the profession and then disappeared, you know, like sort of like what we've been talking about. Um, why do you think it is? I mean, is it really a mystery? Why people, dis- especially women and of childbearing years, you know, moms, is it any mystery, right? I, over no. two years, taking out all that time, I worked 60 hours a week. I cannot imagine being a parent in that situation. Of course, my perspective would be, would be on the, the dad side, but no way. How, how could someone other than a, a young, um, career committed person survive that? Again, I'm on my, nope. so, I'm on my soapbox. I love when she talked about working 32 hours a week and maybe taking a pottery class or something that seems so civilized, like what, just a pottery class and go enjoy myself doing something. She also mentioned crocheting bathtubs, which I really, really appreciate. she, She did appeal to you that way. Well, someone's going to have to learn how to do them because we have a lot, a big backlog. If if you're out there listening to this podcast and you know how to crochet a bathtub, um, <laughs> Context and Clarity could place an order of about 10,000 units. So <laughs> putting that out there. A lot of bathtubs. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. Just the idea of having a balanced life like that is something that I still talk about now, even just working for myself. So uh, I also like, like the the approach that she takes care of her employees even after they decide to leave. Yeah. The story she mentioned about the person who felt she needs a ARE group. She set her up with a with a firm with firms that might be appropriate for her and people who she thinks they might independent one day. She is she's a there are I probably say Sam or Diana, uh, are becoming an incubator of professionals, women, or probably even they might become uh, business owners. Yep. Yeah, that was pretty great how she's how she helped her that person who worked for her find a more suitable firm. I thought that was really caring. You know, that kind of improves. she actually does care about people's well being. You want to work for, I would think. So. I was taking some pretty good notes um, on on she sort of set and and explained how she does how she set this up and how it works for her. Um, so I right now have an all remote practice. I hire to ninety nine um, other right now. It's just other licensed architects that have started their own firms, and it's just sort of that getting getting off the ground and not bringing in enough income, but definitely able to help out other architects that have a heavy workload. So I, I love that, but I need my practice to have an office, like for me, for to have an office and, and trying to figure out how to make it hybrid has always been a goal of mine. And she answered so many questions for me. 
Um, like making your own schedule. Um, I loved that. Like the employees can make their own schedule and are trusted to abide by it, which is in a sense, project management skills that are pretty valuable in architecture and maybe a little absent. So I was, I was happy to see that it's not a, I mean, she said they could work seven days a week. They could work, you know, two days a week. Technology's there for us. And I think we should take advantage of it. Um, we should be working more efficiently and, and grabbing onto that technology. Um, we can be faster. We don't have to sit at a desk for eight or nine or 10 hours doing nothing. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but, um, I worked for 14 years before I got licensed in an office. So the back end production team, um, always <laughs> wasted time, uh, sitting and doing yes. nothing. And when the boss came by, they would, uh, look yes. busy for a minute. And then there's, you know, there's not enough work to do. So, but you have to be there and, and not be on your phone and not be on the internet, but look busy, you know, when the boss comes by. That just seems like such a waste, such a yes. waste to me. So yeah, I love I this. That. Yeah, it is a huge I'm waste yeah. of money for them and then for time for the employees. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny to think that people who are just because they're in your office are work. And we used to spend a lot of time on, before the internet, we used to spend a lot of time trying to do filmographies for B or C level actors. <laughs> that would take us like a whole week project. And then, uh, cause we had to call people in Hollywood and stuff. I mean, it was like a huge waste of time. I was only making like $4 an hour at the time though. I know that that justifies it. I think, you know, the more we talk about this, the, the more the, the 40, just take 40 hours, which I don't know how many architects out there are working 40 hour work weeks, but all of that's a construct. And, and just, just go to YouTube and put the history of the 40 hour work week and you're going to find a lot of history about how that came about. But, but, you know, as you were saying that, Mandy, it, that's, that's the result, right? Hey, you've got to be here. That's the result of not trusting your people and, and wanting them to have their butt in that chair at that desk for 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever. Um, that's, that's the result. Hey, we're going to, uh, it also reminded me of, of the, uh, uh, episode in Seinfeld where George was talking about how he, how he can look busy. He just looks annoyed every time his boss walks by and then the <laughs> boss thinks he's really busy. Um, but, but that's, that's part of, of this construct. And I think I was, I was trying to remember too, again, listening to interviews with Diana, preparing for this conversation with Diana, um, the, the issue of, you know, you've, you've got every firm in the United States on the planet, whatever, starting about mid March, mid to late March, turning into a hybrid or even remote firm. Um, it's really important to understand that you can't just take your old policies and your old culture and your old way that you did work as an on-site in-person firm and then somehow jam that into the hybrid workplace model. It doesn't work that way. It's a, it's a different construct. It's a, it's a different thing. So I, I think that's super important because there's, there's going to have to be some mindset shifts 
for people that actually do want to adopt this this sort of uh, this sort of workplace. I like that she has the option to for working in the office because some people do prefer to work in the office to get away from their house, um, to get a good clean headspace, you know, where they can focus. Um, I love that. I love that there's there's an option for in office or, you know, wherever wherever the wind blows at a Starbucks or for us in California at the beach or in the <laughs> mountains or something, you know, um, that it's just, uh, I think you can, I think it inspires creativity too. And I think we need more of that in our profession. Um, just inspiring innovation. We want to work like if you are bound to get a job done, a project done, but you really want your own time to go explore the world then why not try and figure out a more innovative way to get it done quicker, faster. I mean, it's your time that you're in charge of, you know, your own time. So, so it's just like, if you can come up with good ways to get it done better and faster as an employee, then you get more of your own time back. Right. Well, and I think on the, the flip side of that, I think employers really need to embrace the idea, the reality. It's not an idea. Embrace the reality that when your employees are able to rest and recharge, mm. they're going to be more energized. They're going to be more productive. They're going to be more creative. So if I'm a person, I used to go to Colorado all the time to go mountain biking because I had a cousin out there and I'd take several trips a year and, and mountain bike and, and work and bike and drink beer and and just have fun in the mountains it's a beautiful beautiful place um it, if you like being on a boat or you like whatever whatever the thing is that that helps you recharge your batteries that is super important that's important to the employee that's beneficial to the employer once they get their head wrapped around that and they can embrace that true um yeah and even even sometimes the the fact that the employer employers themselves are checking on people or having this attitude of looking over your shoulder intimidates employees, which might cause stress that would decrease the productivity. There is a there is a there is research um, published research um, that shows uh, actually they they were developing softwares that would read the facial expressions of the manager and tell the manager if today is a good day to have a tour around or not because if he's if he's not in a good mood and does probably doesn't know it um he should stay away from the employees because it's gonna affect uh, their productivity negatively and i actually i have a have a uh, story about that in my last job my employer used to take uh, chunks of vacation like a week or two weeks and i found out that every time he's away i am three times more productive than he's in the office i could not figure out why i was like i'm faster than i want to be i could not figure out why yeah definitely um, uh, employees mental health and trust the, the feeling the loyalty and feeling of being trusted definitely would affect productivity uh, yeah yeah it was, it was- Sorry, go ahead, Kathy. Oh, I was just going to say another takeaway I had is when she said the average age was 32. That's like a full 
fully grown adult human less than me. So I thought, oh, maybe I am getting a little uh, old, but <laughs> I stay young by being open to different ideas and approaches, I suppose, and technologies and whatnot. But yeah, that's a, that's a pretty young, or at least I'm pretty old. I don't know, but that's like 32. When she was talking about the old people in our industry who aren't very quick to adapt to these things, I think she means people like in their 50s. Oh, yeah, I would say. I mean, it's, we talked about leaders. Sorry, leaders in the profession. We're kind of dragging you a little bit uh, if the shoe fits. But, I, I mean, I, I think that makes sense. That's that's sort of what I would expect. I think, again, you know, missing 32%, that's, you know, that's the probably mainly moms that, that disappeared. You know, it's it's back to that whole conversation. Um, and... And also to to equity. How do we make this? Um, how do we make this a, a level playing field? How do we make this equitable for everybody? And there's there's going to be a baseline somewhere, right? And it doesn't surprise me at all that it's it's in sort of that age age group. D- doesn't mean that it does isn't going to appeal to older, some older. And again, it's not one size fits all, but and right. it's also going to appeal to uh, some younger as well. I would fully ex- expect that a lot of younger folks, although she made some great points about especially students that are were trapped in a dorm room during the pandemic wanting mm-hmm. wanting to connect, you know, in person with people. I didn't think about that. that yeah, fast, fascinating, fascinating topic. Uh, fascinating to look at a, a firm like some. And, and again, if you're out there listening to this, Check out som-arch.com. So S-A-A-M hyphen A-R-C-H dot com. And that's, that is their website. Um, Diana said they used to have their employee manual online. They have a new website now and the, the manual will come back. So if you're, if you're curious about what their HR, um, policies and procedures are, maybe check back in a little bit and, and find that manual. I think it could be, very enlightening for a lot of people that are thinking about future hybrid uh, hybrid work. I know we've we've made it to the top of the hour in our recording time. Which, if you're listening to this on the on the podcast, you have no idea. <laughs> Just realize <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the clock. Nobody else sees it if you're listening to it. Um, but um, Mandy and and Isra, thank you for joining us and, and giving us your your takeaways and and takes on this conversation and experience from your career. And, and hopefully this gives you some, some hope and, and uh, uh, some ideas for the future. Uh, and Catherine, as always, thanks for uh, joining me on all of these, all of these, this whole adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, appreciate you being here. I don't know how many, you know, we've talked about the fact that we have done 400 context and clarity conversations. We've done now 41 Context and Clarity uh, Live, the simulcast version. I don't know off the top of my head how many of these backstage. I enjoy these. I love getting the takeaway. And, yeah, more know. than more than I was surprised when I looked through. I feel like it just started, but I guess we've been months now. Yeah. So thank you to all of you for being a part of this. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thank you for, for having us. It's always we'll a pleasure. You, we'll have you back yeah. soon. We will have you back soon. And for those of you that are listening... Uh, next week, next Thursday is the Thanksgiving holiday in the United States. So we won't have a context and clarity live. We're going to actually celebrate the holiday. We're going to take uh, a little bit of time off 
uh, for that. But we'll be back the following week, uh, which is, what's the date on that? December 2nd. Oh, don't even ask. December 2nd, we'll be back for Context and Clarity Live. We'll have Pascal Sablon. She is uh, president-elect of NOMA, the uh, National Organization of Minority Architects. That's going to be a fantastic conversation as well. If you're not familiar with Pascal, you need to look her up. She is a uh, a young African-American woman. She is extremely dynamic, extremely – she's got a lot of uh, a lot of irons in the fire um, – She's a great speaker as well. I've spoken at a couple of conferences where she has as well. I've really enjoyed hearing her and uh, sort of watching what she's doing. I think you're going to enjoy that conversation. So join us live December 2nd to talk to Pascal. And then, of course, we'll go backstage again to record one of these, our takeaway episode. So until then, uh, have a great holiday, everybody. I will record a sort of a retrospective version of the podcast for next week talk about uh, my takeaways for the last 19 months. But uh, until next week or, or two weeks when we uh, have the next Context and Clarity live and backstage, uh, please take a little bit of time to breathe and enjoy and relax. Enjoy whoever you enjoy being with and uh, hope you can find some rejuvenation and join us back here in a couple of weeks. So thanks, everybody. I want to say thank you to Infratech Outdoor Comfort Heating for their support of this episode of the Context and Clarity podcast. Visit infratechusa.com slash podcast to sign up for a free consultation and learn why Infratech is the choice for bringing indoor comfort to outdoor living. All right. Well, now you know what we thought and what we're going to do with what we learned. But what did you think? What did we miss? I really hope that there was some big takeaway from the Context and Clarity Live conversation or from our breakdown right here that will help you with your business. DM me on Instagram or on Twitter and let me know what your takeaways were. You can find me on all the socials at Jeff underscore Eccles. So send me a message and let me know what your takeaway was. And if you want more conversations like this, subscribe to the Context and Clarity podcast and leave us an honest review and rating. Those things really help us to get the message out and help us to help more architects just like you. Oh, and follow Context and Clarity on Instagram as well. There you can get a heads up on everything that's coming up. In our next episode, Catherine and I will host Context and Clarity live again with a new special guest and a new theme for next week. There's always something new to look forward to. And if you love content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment. And it's also the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And finally, if the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you and you'd like to dig deeper into it, then join me over in the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations and we take topics just like this and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community. 
and your practice and how you can support those around you. Catherine and I will be back for our next episode. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context may be. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.